Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Monday, January 16th. Happy Martin Luther King Day. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs got to sit out the first week of the playoffs, but now they gear up for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the divisional round. The game will be played at Arrowhead on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. We couldn't wait till later in the week to discuss it, so beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell, along with columnists Sam McDowell and Vahe Gregorian, got together for a playoff chat. The show started as a Sports Beat Live broadcast. One thing we agreed on, this isn't the same Jags team that came to Arrowhead for the Chiefs' 10-point victory in November. Doug Peterson's team is much improved. Okay, let's get going, talking Chiefs, Jaguars, and the NFL playoffs. Thank you. Welcome to Sportsbeat uh, Live. This is our weekly show where we talk uh, Chiefs. It's a special edition of Sportsbeat Live because we're coming at you on a Monday, uh, the week of the Chiefs playoff game. And we'll also do this again on Thursday. But we thought, now that we know that the Chiefs, uh, the, the Chiefs opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars, we know the, the day, the time of kickoff, Saturday, 3.30 p.m., even the network, Um NBC. Uh, I thought we would uh, we would kick the week off talking Chiefs with you, even on a holiday. It's a federal holiday. It is Martin Luther King Day, and I was almost late to this show because I was uh, going through some of my. I, you know how you get caught down the rabbit hole of you know, looking up things on on the internet. And I was looking at speeches, right? I was looking at famous speeches. Of course, I have a dream is one of my favorite speeches. And so that led me to some John F. Kennedy speeches and others trying to figure out what my favorite one is. Does anybody have a favorite speech that they, um, that they prefer? I, I have a dream is at the pretty much at the top of my list. Um, spend five minutes today uh, on YouTube and, and, and uh, listen to that again, because it's amazing. But does anybody have another one that they want to throw into the um, onto the list, Blair. I, I I love that one, and maybe it it has to do with uh, us being a, of a certain age too, right? Uh, growing up during that time, and I always remember to tie it together with the Chiefs a little more that Willie Lanier arrived that fall in Washington D.C. Uh, right right around. I, I don't remember the date of it, but it, he was he was he was in D.C. when it happened when he when he started going to school, and um, he talks a lot about. Dr. King. And um, it's, it's tough to put anything else on that tier. Uh, that that's the only thing I would add. Yeah. I think just uh sports related. I mean, Jimmy V's thing is something I watch on YouTube, like every, every year or so. Um, that's was, phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, a really great one. Um, and uh you know, Lou Gehrig's speech too is is something that I think still resonates today. And some most of our listeners, or some probably know this, but um, Lou Gehrig played his last game in Kansas City before he went to the Mayo Clinic right from here and and learned of uh, his diagnosis. So that that's got a certain extra resonance from that. I'm glad you mentioned that, Sam. Also, I I think we should mention Jim Mora's and on the verge of the Chiefs getting in the playoffs. I think we should mention that one as well. <laughs> Playoffs. <laughs> it's a classic. It's a classic. And if as long as we're going there, the Mike Gundy uh, speech uh, has been good. He's a man. He's forty. So, uh, uh, but we digress. Let's talk Chiefs and NFL playoffs. It is, um, uh, 
you know, a, a, a good mixture of the uh, of games this this weekend. But five of the six have been played. There's still the Cowboys Tampa Bay Bucks game tonight in the NFC. But we had a blowout to start it with the 49ers over the the Seattle Seahawks and and Brock Purdy doing some crazy things. Jesse, you must have covered a, an Iowa State KU game with Brock Purdy um, at the helm. Because, you know, probably I'm sure they were just a terribly lopsided games. But do you have any memory of Brock Purdy as a, as a college player? No, most of the memories kind of go together because they were mostly KU beatdowns. So uh, I'm sure he beat down Kansas. We were talking over the weekend, guys, about how Cameron Dicker, the kicker, you know, I remembered him from Texas because he kicked a lot of extra points and field goals against Kansas <laughs> in those particular games, too. But no, Shanahan really seems to have it going on there. It's it's kind of one of those great problems to have, which is it seems like any quarterback they plug in plays really well. And with today's salary cap and what you can do on a rookie quarterback contract, uh, you know, if you have that sort of cheat code, that's really good. So obviously the 49ers and then some really exciting games. But uh, for the Chiefs, you know, you take a step back. If a month ago we had told you that the Chiefs would be playing, would have the bye and then play a home game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in their first game of the playoffs, man, uh, Chiefs fans would have signed on that as quickly as they could have. So uh, I know that we'll talk all week about the matchup, the breakdown on Trevor Lawrence is playing well, how Doug Peterson presents challenges and knows Andy Reid really well. But the bottom line is the bottom line. You know, you're a nine, nine and a half point favorite in this particular game at home to make the AFC Championship game. And uh, the Chiefs would have signed up for that absolutely at any point in the season. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that, uh, the, the matchup here in a minute. Uh, in fact, we'll skip the uh, the Jacksonville uh, L.A. Chargers game for a second. <clears throat> and and we'll go to, um, you know, Buffalo takes a 17-0 lead over the Dolphins. And I, I went and did something else. I come back and the Dolphins are leading 24-20 to and have the ball. So uh, amazing effort by by Miami, but some terrible clock management down the stretch sabotaged a, a, an attempt at a comeback there. How about the New York Giants? The, I guess by seed, really the only the only upset I think is that yeah by seed it's the only upset. And you know hats off to Brian Dable, the Chiefs' offensive coordinator the year before Andy Reid got here. And of course, Mike Kafka on the sidelines for the Giants doing a doing a heck of a job. And then, gosh, last night's. Uh, uh, Bengals uh, Ravens game that was uh, pretty amazing to see Baltimore with you know with Tyler Hundley at quarterback staying with the Bengals uh, throughout that game and of course a hundred yard or whatever 98 yard uh, uh, fumble return flips the game to toward the Bengals so um, just anything else about those games stand out to, to you guys let's just save um, uh, Chargers uh, Jacksonville for for a moment but the other games, um, closer than I expected, I think, the two AFC games. I, I definitely felt felt that way. And, and boy, you could see uh, – you could see Baltimore had every chance. I, I felt more like Baltimore might win that than Miami might. Just I don't know why, just because of the way the game was unfolding. But when you get a 98-yard fumble uh, recovery that goes the other way like that, 14-point swing basically, right? I mean, it just – doesn't seem meant to be um, so at better team one, but uh, I, I, I think we first saw that uh, dunk attempt uh, with Patrick in Cincinnati and it worked out. Um, I, I wonder if that's a coaching point this week though, that that's not maybe really the way to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I the Miami game, 
I could not believe the collapse in coaching over those last two minutes. Um, I mean, you've got a rookie quarterback who I think needs even more time probably in the huddle. And I've never seen a team get a delay game on a fourth and inches play. And I wonder if they don't want to go with a quarterback sneak because I hadn't seen Skylar Thompson run under center yet. Um, and, and I could be wrong on that, but I didn't recall him running a play under center. And it made me think that, they just didn't have a play ready, but they had like 12 or 13 extra seconds because of an injury there. And they still were not able to get a play in Mike McDaniel is subbing in guys with 12 seconds left on the play clock. It was just inexcusable there. And Skylar Thompson gave him a chance to win. Jalen Waddle did not um, help him out. The two or three uh, drops. I actually thought he dropped the one they gave him credit for as well. But uh, I actually thought Skylar Thompson played better than the numbers showed the, the interception of the, the possession you're talking about, Blair, up 24-20 is pretty inexcusable, but also thought his coach put him in a bad spot. I mean, a rookie quarterback is on the verge of taking a safety. You've got to imagine he's going to throw the ball. You need to give him some check down options to throw the ball, and they didn't. So um, I do wonder what the what the future holds for Skylar Thompson, though. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, local kid, um, local to Herbie as well with, with the K-State <laughs> ties. So – uh, there you go. Uh, but I wonder what the future holds for Skyler. I think he played well enough to at least be on a roster this year. And that was not something that was, that was certainly not something that was guaranteed going into training camp that he was going to find his way on, onto an NFL roster. Yeah. That interception came on a third and 19. Um, and he was backed up. I don't, I don't think he was throwing from in, in the end zone, but he was near the goal line when it happened. And, um, it was a, uh, uh, it was Elam that made the interception. It was a heck of a play. Went up high to get it. So uh, a, a great play. And that that flipped the game back. But you're right. The, how many times – Miami used all their timeouts in the, in the fourth quarter just to avoid delay of game penalties and inexcusable and management. Breaking the huddle with five seconds on the – I mean, just and, – and again and again, to Sam's point, I mean, it, was it, you know, three, four, five times? A couple times they got away with it, I think, too. Multiple times I got away with it because the, the biggest running joke in the NFL is that a referee has no ability to look at the zeros on the clock and know at that time whether or not the ball has been snapped. It takes them three seconds to look from the clock back to the play to see if the ball's been snapped and process that that should be a flag. Hey, Blair, two, two cents here on the weekend, and th this has something to do with Andy Reid. When you look at the remaining teams still alive in the AFC, okay, two of those three teams come from the Andy Reid tree. Obviously, Sean McDermott from the Bills and now Doug Peterson with the Jaguars. So when you think of coaches in the National Football League, Andy Reid's doing something right. Got to give him credit for that. His, his guys do really well. And the third team is the Eagles. <laughs> so and the Chiefs could play. So there you have it. Uh, this could be the Andy Reid reunion tour. Go Doug Peterson, Sean McDermott, and then go back to the old stomping grounds and face the Eagles again. It, it actually is a really relevant point, Herbie, too, because I think a lot of times when we hear the Eric Bannemi stuff, which we're hearing it again now, um, sometimes you say, you hear, oh, well, Matt Neg Nagy failed in, in Chicago. So that probably doesn't do them any favors. And it's like, well, yeah, that's one example of a really, you know, plentiful tree that he's got. And you just mentioned other guys that have certainly worked out with him. And by the way, Nagy 
actually had some pretty good years in Chicago, even though it didn't end well there. Yeah, and to be interesting, like if if, if Nagy was with Ryan Poles, because obviously Poles comes from the cheese tree, and when Nagy was there, they tried to shove Mitchell Trubisky down his throat. You know, he didn't get to pick his quarterback. So it would be fascinating if, if Nagy, you know, in, a, in another universe was with Ryan Poles and those two were able to pick their quarterback. You know, they might have turned out differently in Chicago. Well, and Nagy's name is uh, permission to interview with uh, – who was it? Uh, was it – Tight. Tight. And, and be enemy, right? Yes. So – yeah, I'm just trying to uh, trying to keep my uh, candidates straight here. Um, so yeah, and didn't Nagy have two playoff seasons of his three years in Chicago, with two out of four, or something like that? Yeah, out of four. Yeah, took him there his first year. Yeah, lost to Doug Peterson in one of those games, the double doink uh, field goal game, I think. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, and what have the Bears done since then? I I, I don't know. Um, Exactly. I just know that when the NFL draft is coming to Kansas City in a few months, uh, the Bears will be on the clock. In fact, they're on the clock right now. So um, I, I expect a ton of Bears fans to be in town for that uh, for that overall number one. Um, OK, so the other uh, the other first round game was wild card weekend or super wild card weekend. I hope we can ditch that. Uh, the NFL decides to ditch that title. It's ridiculous. Anyway, wild card weekend was the Jacksonville Jaguars down twenty-seven to nothing over the uh, can't or over the Los Angeles Chargers. And I think before we get into Jacksonville, I, we should discuss what this means to the Chargers. And of course, what few Chargers fans there are are um, calling for for Brandon Staley's job. I don't think that's going to happen, uh, but this is the kind of loss from which changes are made. Or is, is that is that not true, Irby? Don't you you, you lose a twenty-seven nothing lead? Um, someone's got to pay for that. You got to look at it at a minimum. You have to look at it. Uh, Brandon Staley. I think like when you think of his decision making, and especially the last week of the season when it you know that game absolutely meant nothing to affect their seating purposes. And he went out there and got, well, he didn't get Mike Williams hurt. Mike Williams got hurt, you know, and then Nick Bosa also was hurt, but, you know, he played a lot of decision-making there. And the Chargers got to think to themselves, we have this ultra talented roster outside of the injuries. And we know when these guys are healthy, we have a talented roster. Why aren't we getting over the hump? Why aren't we meeting the expectations of being the off-season ASC West champions? We're finally going to dethrone the Chiefs, but it just doesn't play out that way. Uh, you know, sometimes you do have to take a look at that. Yeah, that was uh, that's one of those inexcusable ones. My, my only, you know, as as you know, from a Chiefs perspective, my only regret was the lead wasn't twenty-nine to nothing because if the Jaguars had come back from 29 to nothing. They would have taken Andy Reid out of the NFL record book for biggest playoff collapse of all time, which is 28. Um, I believe I'm right about this. 20, certainly right about the, the margin, the 28 point loss to the Colts. I think also, if anything, the Chargers and Jaguars game should serve as a warning to the Chiefs. You jump out ahead. You got to keep your foot on the pedal. You cannot let up at all, especially in the postseason. It was like Chiefs Broncos in Denver earlier this year. Oilers Bills was thirty two points, right, Blair? You're right. That that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I need to keep up. That, that's 
I should know well, that. it's Oilers, so you've had a while to keep up with that, you know? <laughs> yeah, with you telling me football history, I, I know I've got to go back to school now. All right, all right. Um, so what do we remember about the regular season game? Bob uh, said that the uh, suggested the Jaguars beat themselves there. Two missed field goals, a touchdown called back. Um, so... I don't know about that. Chiefs dominated the game minus three, I believe, in turnover margin that game. It was 27 to 17. Chiefs win. Uh, they got up uh, 17 nothing or 20 to nothing in that game. Um, made made mistakes. That was Mahomes had a pick. Um, Isaiah Pacheco had a good game numbers wise, 82 rushing yards, but also lost a fumble. And Jody Fortson also lost a fumble in that game. So, uh, but but I just don't remember the, the Chiefs feeling terribly threatened that afternoon. Um, I want to say that game came after the Titans, where they did have a like a primetime game against Tennessee and struggled to beat Malik Willis uh, in, in, in that game. But, but the next week against Jacksonville, um, thought that they, they came out and, and, and played, you know, kind of a following the Chiefs theme this year, they win the game and lose the turnover battle. So I'm just wondering what anybody's anybody else has recollection of, of that game. Well, we promised Herbie we wouldn't bring up the Fortson thing, first of all, Blair. Um, <laughs> My bad. But, uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes had a field day that game, and I think it's all set up for him to have a similar game. The Jaguars are built to where the strength of their team is up front, and they are really um, – weak in the secondary so this is going to be a game where if the, if the offensive line does its job Patrick Mahomes is going to have a really good day um, they might need some help you know I think you could see a lot of Jarek McKinnon because of that because pass pro is uh, is always vital but even more so in this game when you've got a team that can rush the passer but cannot guard the the, the receivers downfield so I think you're going to see a, quite a bit of Jarek McKinnon um, but I really think Patrick Mahomes is going to have a big day yeah, a couple of things from that game. You're right, Sam. I mean, this is really where passing offense takes over. Uh, and we talk about how the Chiefs are good week to week to week. It's because they have a great passing offense, and the Jags do not have a good pass defense. Coverage is bad. Tackling is bad. So that's how you can overcome three turnovers, losing the turnover battle. If you remember, Jacksonville had the surprise onside kick that they recovered. Uh, Chiefs overcame that and still were in the driver's seat. Uh, a couple of things to think about, though. Number one is Cisco on the defense, uh, the Jaguars guy who came in and laid the wood on Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS. Guys were very emotional after the game uh, about that and taking that pretty personally. So uh, I'm sure we'll be asking those guys about Cisco this week and potentially going up against him again. The second part, um, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about Brandon Staley. He's a great defensive mind, but it seems like the team is kind of undisciplined at times. You know, the game management sometimes isn't there seems like with all these coaches, like you kind of try to figure out the trade-offs, like what they're really good at, but you're trading off this. I will say Doug Peterson, uh, what he's been able to do with, from the Andy Reid tree, he does a lot of things well, but he's also mastered the aggressiveness part of this. And that's what we saw this last game against the Chiefs, where surprise onside kick was going on for on fourth downs. This is probably where these two teams are the most different. Andy Reid a couple years ago was very aggressive with Patrick Mahomes in his offense. That's backed off a lot this year. So the one thing that would concern me about the Jaguars, we saw this in the game um, on Saturday where they went for two after they got the personal foul penalty and ended up winning the game by one because of that. 
Doug Peterson is as aggressive as any coach in the NFL right now when it comes to those fourth down decisions, go forward decisions, gambling decisions. And let's be honest, the Jaguars need some crazy things to happen to overcome this nine and a half point spread. So if I'm the Chiefs, that makes me a little bit worried that they have a, they're going up against a coach who understands he's the underdog and understands what he needs to happen to make his team win this particular game. And so I would expect a lot of different crazy things from the Jaguars in this game to kind of mix things up a little bit to try to beat the Chiefs. Just a, a quick uh, thing you reminded me of, Jesse, that the, the way that onside kick came, if I'm not mistaken, that was the game where the Chiefs uh, had some confusion on what to do with winning the coin toss um, and elected to receive to start the game, which the Jaguars had to really pounce on the idea that they were then going to take advantage of the confusion. I think the Chiefs even had some personnel confusion getting out on the field. There, there, that, was a, that was a mess from the start that way. You know, the other thing that uh, I stood out about that game as I look back at it is the Chiefs did have five sacks that day. Um, and I think, you know, that that may be part of a blueprint here, too, especially with did, did Lawrence throw three interceptions in the first half of the four uh, against San Diego or against the, the Chargers. <laughs> um, boy, talk about living in the past. But I but I think, I, you know, as far as he's come, he still is, is a guy that uh, obviously you want to predicate your game game plan to rattling the the Jaguars actually have a really good offensive line this year um but their left tackle got hurt Cam Robinson I think it was in early December and he's out for the year so their their offensive line has looked quite a bit different um since his injury and a lot of the metrics really like the Jaguars but you look at that from a season overall perspective as far as their offensive line goes so I think it's it's a matchup where we that, that kind of fits what we talked about in training camp, which is I think the Jaguars are going to are going to devote a lot of attention to Chris Jones on the interior and George Karloftis, who's come on of late, is going to have to win on the outside. I mean, that's the way that teams have historically made the Chiefs beat them up front in the playoffs. There's a reason that Chris Jones does not have a sack in 12 games in the playoffs. I think part of that is something that might be in his head, but a lot of it is just because of the attention that you know, when you get this time of year, you spend extra time on these game plan sorts of things. Not, it's not to say teams get lazy in the regular season, but these are the sleepless nights in the postseason where you spend that extra time. And that extra time tells you that you got to devote two guys to Chris Jones. And guys like George Karloftis, Carlos Dunlap, uh, Mike Dana, those guys are going to have to win one-on-one -on -one battles on the outside, but particularly against the Jaguars with the backup left tackle. This can be a scary matchup on offense, Sam, because you mentioned the offensive line uh, protects decently for the past. Trevor Lawrence has come on. And again, if you're going to have a team that struggles in an area, we talk about with the Chiefs. I mean, turnovers are things that are kind of fluky. They kind of come and go game to game. I would not bank on him having four turnovers again this week like he did last week. So that's coming on. And then the run blocking is not that great, but Travis Etienne is really great. Uh, he sometimes just makes up for bad run blocking and he's able to go out there and get a lot of yards on the ground, too. So. Uh, this feels like one where the Chiefs are going to kind of have to outscore their problems, which they should be able to do offensively. But again, playoff atmosphere, a uh, little bit of nerves. They had to sit out that first game. Um, you know, how will they respond to the last playoff game that they've had, AFC Championship against the Bengals? You know, are there any any tightness, any lingering effects from that? Uh, that's sort of the thing. And then you can you add it to Doug Peterson, who knows Andy Reid as well as anybody, and a team that is not going to be passive. They are not going to play the Brandon Staley route and just you know be very 
um, punt the ball on every fourth down, everything like that. I mean, he's going to go for it. He's going to go for it because he knows he needs to to be able to beat the Chiefs in this game. So somewhat scary in that regard. But, it, you know, I said this off the top. I mean, you look at the numbers, 538 gives the Chiefs like an 84% chance of winning. Um, you know, the implied odds at Vegas would give you about 80%. So if you're saying 80% for the Chiefs to advance the AFC Championship game, you take that every time. So Chiefs just got to take care of business. But there are parts of this matchup where you look at and you would say, there's things to be worried about with Jackson. The Jaguars have won five in a row, and you'd say, well, you know, it's the end of the year they're playing AFC South opponents, but they beat the Cowboys. One of those five wins was it was a victory over the Cowboys and showed a lot of character in, in their in their playoff win over the Chargers. So um, this is you know, this is a good team coming in here. They were three and six coming into the game at Arrowhead in the regular season, dropped to three and seven, and they're now you know including the playoff ten and eight. So they they figured it out uh, there, and Doug Peterson's a hell of a coach. What a great, what a great hire for Jacksonville, and what a contrast between the him and the previous coach, Urban Meyer. What a um, uh, just a, just done a, a fantastic job in, in Jacksonville, and I, I think uh, Jacksonville's going to stay a contender as long as he's the coach there. I mean, and, and with a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who has shown the ability to, to be in the upper echelon um, of, of quarterbacks and in, in the, at least in the AFC, which is a, you know, a, a pretty, uh, it's, it's, it's a well-populated group. Um, and he, you know, it, despite his first half troubles uh, in the playoff game, he ends up with uh, as many or one less touchdown pass was it three, I think four picks and three touchdowns. So he rallied and had the, had the, had the great play on the, you know, on, on the, uh, the touchdown on, um, or was that the two-point conversion where he went over with the ball? I can't remember that now. But it's the same play that Tyler Hundley tried and, and lost the fumble that got returned for the touchdown uh, in, in the uh, in the Ravens game. The, the key point there is uh, perhaps that he's – what is he, 6'6"? Six, six? And uh, <laughs> Tyler Hundley's probably – I don't know. They probably list him as 6'1", but I'm not sure he's 6'1". Um, anyway. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, uh, very good conversation. Uh, so good that uh, we'll do it again at our regularly scheduled time, which is uh, Thursday at 10 a.m. Because the Chiefs play on Saturday, their schedule changes this week. There will be a lot of availability uh, from, from the Chiefs on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nothing on Friday. And, of course, the game at 3.30 on, on Saturday. It's the first, I think this is right, first playoff game of the, of the divisional round. Uh, the evening game is uh, Eagles-Giants, and then we know the next day uh, the Bills-Bengals play the first game, and tonight's winner of Tampa Bay and Dallas takes on San Francisco in the second game on Sunday. So divisional round next week. Chiefs uh, have not lost a divisional round game since Patrick Mahomes has been quarterback, uh, starting with that 2018 win over the Colts. Um, so – Hey Herbie, can I ask you one last thing? Sure. Uh, did did uh, did the AP get the uh, the All Pro selections right? Um, four Chiefs made first team. Yeah, I, I think they got it right. They absolutely drilled it, and then also giving the shout out to uh, Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey, a second team All Pros. You could make an argument that especially Creed, Creed should be a first team All Pro eventually, but he's still got like you know a couple of players ahead of him right now who are on the twilight of their career. So it's not going to be too long until Creed Humphrey makes that first team. 
Okay, it was Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, and punter Tommy Townsend. Tommy Townsend. How about that? I wonder what Harris. I wonder what a former Chiefs punter thinks about that. <laughs> indeed, indeed. That'll do it for today. Thanks to George Howard for producing the podcast and the live stream, and to our Sportsbeat KC staff of Jeff Rosen, Scott Chasen, Monty Davis, and Randy Mason. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, Jesse Newell, and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 40 pages full of NFL playoff coverage and much more. Check it out at liveedition.kansascity.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sportsbeat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.